Jim. Yeah. I am so glad we have a chance to just talk today about this book, Trust Matters. Oh, yeah. Leadership for Successful Schools by Megan Shannon Moran. I think that's how you say it. But I came across this book because a district uh, in our state, I think, purchased it for all of their leaders, and I was really curious. So what is this book about? And I guess in my own way, too, I, I, I feel like trust is kind of important. So sure. tell me, um, you were so nice to read the book when I asked you to <laughs> and to take time to kind of go through and read it. Uh, but what, what comes to mind? Well, um, I mean, it's sort of interesting because, um, there's all this talk about relationships, yeah. right? But trust is at a different level. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, what do you, you start first. Okay. First of all, I have to tell you that as I was reading through the book, there was a part of me that was almost like, mm, I, I want to say like I was having kind of flashbacks to all the schools where I've been a leader from. And I was like uh, analyzing did I do that right? Did I do that right? Sure. Did I do that right? How did I not have trust building here? How did I have trust um, kind of fall apart there? How could I have done that differently? So there were these flashbacks that I kept having over and over and over again in the book. And I absolutely loved the way that uh, Megan had broken down the book into, um, into the different categories. She had three sample principles we don't really know who they are, but people that she's had a chance to maybe work with their schools. And um, in some ways, I think I've been all of those three principles uh, <laughs> that, right, that she highlights. Right. So um, the first principle is, I think, Fred. And Fred is kind of lenient and uh, easygoing and... He, he loses trust from his teachers because of that, right? Because he he doesn't follow through. He's not holding people to high expectations. People kind of get away with things, which makes other people feel like he can't be trusted or, you know, they, they are doubtful of his leadership. Yeah, he delegated all faculty complaints to a faculty council. Oh, council. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. That's a, that, was a, that was a good story. And then the second teacher or uh, principal that's given as an example is um, Gloria. And Gloria is almost the opposite of Fred, where she is like, she is hard as nails, get it done, I don't care in a way. I don't care how you feel about it. This is the right thing that needs to be done for, you know, for kids. And she comes in pretty heavy handed and uh, really rule, uh, rule driven. Um, initially she makes requests of staff and not everybody buys in right away because she hasn't taken time to build relationships. And then she sort of pulls out the rule book to say, this is what you have to do. And she loses trust because of that heavy handedness and people are feeling like she hasn't given them an opportunity to, they haven't had a chance to really explain or have a say or show their um, creativity in their work. Um, she, and, she wasn't very open either. She withheld yeah. important information. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in order to maintain that power, right? She wasn't uh, willing to kind of let any of that, that go. Way. Yeah, it seemed that way. And then the, Well, it the, sounds like she didn't really trust her employees, right? Right. She kind her, of came in maybe with uh, already feeling like their teachers were 
failures, I guess, or at least that's the way she conveyed the messages that you're not doing enough. And, and it was definitely a school. All three of these schools were schools that were underperforming, uh, Fred's school and Gloria's school. Um, but the way she responded um, was, was kind of hard for the teachers because there was little room to wiggle. Mm -hmm. um, the third teacher, or excuse me, why do I keep saying teacher? The third administrator which has a little bit of a balance between Fred and Gloria, and the, and the character's name is Brenda in the book. And Brenda, same thing, ends up in this school uh, as a new principal and takes on uh, the school but is able to maintain a, sort of that just right magical balance between not so hard and not so easy, right? And I, I think that is, I think that is fascinating because, right, we all think we're doing the right thing as leaders. And in this case, it, it was good for me to see why different uh, teachers would respond differently to the different styles and how, you know, trust develops over time. Yeah, I love her, <laughs> her candy jar. Yeah. Um, Talk about that. Talk yeah. about that. Well, she said she could measure the stress of the staff by the consumption of candy in her candy jar. And so she learned not to introduce new ideas or duties when the candy jar was most active. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that's really interesting. Right, right. And the candy jar is in the faculty room and it's like a bottomless candy jar. So she continually refills it. And she uses that as a gauge that if she's had to fill that candy jar frequently, she uses that as a way to say the stress levels are high yeah. in her in her building. Creative, right? Yeah, yeah. And very much. And so. recognize too that there might be kind of patterns of when the stress is happening, even by day of the week. And um, of course, around parent teacher conference or report card time or those kinds of things. So um yeah, interesting. It was really interesting. Mm -hmm. um, I went, wanted to go back to Gloria a little bit. Okay, Gloria. <laughs> who She was a tough as nails, right. this is how you're going to do it, kind of heavy-handed. Oh, um, I was wondering about the topic of micromanagement a little okay. bit. Because I this is a, a, an accusation that gets levied a lot at administrators, that they yeah. micromanage. Yeah. And, no freedom. Uh, yeah. Um, I think even sometimes when they come in their room and give feedback, that's right. considered to some extent as being micromanaging. Right. So I think, I I mean, uh, the author says micromanaging is a failure of trust. I'd love to ask her a little bit about that because... The ask Megan, yes, the author. Mm -hmm. The definition is so vast about what constitutes micromanagement. And I've always said, you know, as an administrator, I'm micro-interested. I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm very interested in what people are doing, yeah. what's going on, and right. seeing where I need to fit in to right. all of that. And uh, I guess that could be perceived as micromanaging. But yeah. I always get a little bit worried about principals that don't know what's going on in their building. Right, you know? right. Well, going back to Fred, who was a little easygoing, he had his minimum two observations a year, did not meet face-to-face -face with his teachers to give them feedback, put a note in their box, and asked them to sign it, and that met the minimum expectations by his district for that feedback. But the teachers did not feel, in that case, that they were given enough feedback to be able to improve. So they were a little bit resentful of that and right. didn't trust for that reason. 
And Gloria, um, people felt like she was in their business and didn't really, you know, belong there. Right. But then Brenda, which I thought was interesting, she, for the first, like, couple of weeks that she was a brand new principal at this building, went into every classroom every day, is the way I remember it. And if not, yes. it was at least, every, you know, yeah. in the first week. But she went in frequently, didn't take any notes, just came in, was there for a little bit, and then just floated to the next one and the next one and the next one. And then one of the teachers came to her to say, you know, in, in our school, you you don't come into our classrooms unless you have an appointment. <laughs> and she said, kind of what you said, where it was like, well, how will I know how to help, you know, our building if I don't, yeah. you know, have a good sense about what's going on? And then Brenda brought up, like, here's my list. And she had a list of things that she had been noticing, like these clocks needed to be changed because they weren't working. Uh, these things were um, not fixed in the classrooms. Uh, here was, I, I forget what example, you know, exactly what those examples were. They were, they were definitely more building level kinds of things. Um, but they were definitely all things that were true and needed to be fixed. And she wouldn't have known those things right. if she hadn't gone into the classrooms. And it seemed like after that second week when that teacher kind of confronted her to say, yeah, you have to have an appointment to come in. Um, they sort of gave her that leeway. And I think because she did follow through on mm. taking care of the things that needed. Now, I don't remember that being explicitly stated in the book. I guess I, I just made that assumption mm -hmm. because there's reference to quick wins and how quick wins help you build that trust so I just made that leap that Brenda took care of those things, right? She fixed those clocks. She made sure that those things were in repair. Mm -hmm. And uh, and then I think that that also with a lack of maybe busting teachers for doing things that weren't right, you know, they felt a little more open to having her kind of come in and out mm -hmm. of, of the classroom. So when you're talking about micromanaging, that's what I was thinking of is um, being open and um, – supportive right and trying to help teachers get what they need and using that as sort of a way in uh to the work that they're doing yeah yes um do you think these are these uh, we could ask megan yeah. but are these principles real or are they just no i think they are yeah okay yeah, i think they okay. are i think i think her work um i forget what university she's at um we'll have to ask her when we have a chance to give her a call because we're going to talk to her later. Uh, but my understanding is that these were real people and real teachers that she interviewed to get yeah. those statements. And you could relate to these, these three personas yeah. as well. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, that's what I'm saying yeah. is when I was reading these principles and what their decisions were and why they made those decisions, you could see why the principals were making those decisions, even if you could also see that they weren't the right decisions. And as I've gotten through my career and gotten better and better, I I look back though, and I can see well, I was probably a little too heavy handed here. And oh, I probably could have been tougher here, right? right. And oh, I hope that I was a little more Brenda, uh, you know, as I got to be a little more skilled, you know, right. where you're a little open and you have a little, you know, more room for teachers to have that creativity in the work that they're doing. But there's also a few things you're tight on, right? Yeah. That's what I really liked about the book is that it 
I mean, it's not just relationships matter, which I think is such a broad statement and sometimes gets interpreted soft. But, um, you know, I think that it's really interesting to think about the fact that even somebody who I think in, what's his name, Fred? Fred. um, In Fred's case was really trying to preserve relationships by being kind of... um, non-confrontational and Mm -hmm. doing what you said, just kind of Mm -hmm. doing the bare minimum as far as evaluations were concerned. Mm -hmm. Even that didn't, that didn't work, you know? So it's not about being softer. It's not about being nicer, quote unquote. It's about having specific components in place to be able to facilitate trust, which she talks about in here. Being able to manage conflict, being able to, yeah. I love her reference to professional learning communities in here. Yeah. And, um, that seems like such a chore to so many teachers, I think, for my perception. You yeah. know, the fact that, oh, we're required to go to this meeting and right. I don't want to be there. And the things that we want to talk about are marginalized. We don't get to really talk about what we want to talk about. Because it's important we get ready for that field trip. I'm just giving an example. Not everybody feels that way, but it is important to talk about the field trip and they want to use that space sometimes as a conversation. But in this particular case, it talks about professional learning communities really being a way to facilitate trust, to build trust. Yeah. So it's more than just the meeting that you have on a regular basis. Um, It's that culture. Right. And and the chapter in there about the trust between teachers was interesting as well because we as building leaders have a tremendous impact on creating that culture where teachers are willing to be vulnerable with each other. They're willing to, to share successes. That, that's fascinating to me. Why is it that teachers don't want to be highlighted for amazing work that they're doing. Well, lack of trust, right? I it's guess. That lack of trust. I know. They're scared of what other people are going to do with that information. Yeah. yeah. That's going to be used against them or they won't be part of the crew or whatever. Right, right. So getting to a place where people can both be celebrated for trying new things, for being innovative, for having some um, information that might benefit everybody about how is another way to tackle a problem. But at the same time, being vulnerable with, uh, I don't, I'm not doing very well with this, right? Mm -hmm. Creating that space in your building so teachers are willing to say, I don't know. Mm -hmm. And then in that space, being able to ask for help, ask for ideas, ask for other ways to, again, tackle a challenging curriculum area, maybe a behavior uh, issue that's come up, maybe even just management of their own time or parent-teacher conference questions. You know, we have to really focus on that trust, not only between the administrator and the teachers, but even within the teachers themselves so that they can learn and grow and support each other. To me, that ties right directly into your PLC right. reference. Having that culture of PLC in your school that, and she talks about this too, the uh, spirit of inquiry. Right? Yeah. So inquiry is supported by standards of professionalism as well as norms of curiosity. Yeah. It's, you know, unfortunate that so many of our schools where we're trying to foster that curiosity yeah. and, yeah. Um, you know, inquiry in our kids. Yeah. Uh, we as the adults don't necessarily bring that to our work. We kind yeah. of just, you know, I think it's shut down in a lot of schools, yeah. which, you know, 
debilitates trust. But I think if you, there's a place, it's a, an environment where asking questions is a good thing and investigating things yeah. further is a good thing. And, you know, I think we use the term research says a little bit too much. With yeah, teachers, no, I think right? that's a good point. I to think... shut them down as a way of shutting right. them down. Have like, we I had know this better. conversation before? <laughs> like, like, we know better. Research says. Right. Mm-hmm. Research says. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, well, that just kind of shuts the door out sometimes on any further conversation. Mm-hmm. And I think in Gloria's case, Gloria, um, Gloria sometimes would say, well, the contract is right, about how long teachers had to be there or what they had to actually perform or how they had to do certain things in certain ways. And she she would maybe not say research says, but she would say this is the policy. This is mm-hmm. what the district says. Mm-hmm. Um, what I thought was interesting when you look at the level of commitment by the teachers in the three buildings, Fred's group was uh, not as, you know, into it because they had a group that was willing to leave early, was willing to not do maybe what was expected because they knew they weren't going to get, you know, challenged on it or busted or confronted. Um, And even those who were trying to do the right thing ended up finding themselves being complacent because if everybody else is not doing it and they're the only one doing it, they felt even more sort of demoralized it's, you know, according to the book, and you and you hear this, the teacher voices. At the same time, in Gloria's case, they were almost like mad and vengeful, like, uh, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to show her. She thinks she can just boss me around and tell me. And, mm-hmm. you know, so there was real pushback that way to, to be like, you know, I'm going to show you. So there, so there was a feeling of distrust to the level where people were almost trying to get even, right? Mm-hmm. And then that third level with Brenda and – and you see this magic happen sometimes at schools, right? Hopefully more and more as we get smarter and smarter, where there is trust from the administration and the leadership towards the teachers and, and trusting the teachers will do the right thing. Of course, there's some checking, but trusting that the teachers are going to do the right thing in the way that needs to be done. At the same time, the teachers then start feeling honored and recognized. And as long as the teachers see that the administrator is putting in as much time and effort, if not more, than they are, they they in at least in case the case of Brenda, they wanted to they wanted Brenda to see that they were trying their best to honor her trust. And they wanted Brenda to see that they were willing to put in time, even though they didn't have to. They wanted to to make Brenda proud. They wanted Brenda to um, to to see that they were trying their best to do what is right for kids. So often, those teachers in that third school kind of went above and beyond and really expanded uh, the work that was being done. And people said they were going to do something. All the teachers tended to follow through with what they said they were going to do. And if they didn't, other teachers just sort of silently stepped in and filled the gap, knowing that something very substantial must have happened for this teacher not to be able to do what they said or to be able to follow through or whatever. So they, mm-hmm. they kept kind of mm-hmm. supporting each other and covering each other. And, uh, and I think that that's another really good cue, if you will, about how well the staff supports each other. And sometimes I've been in buildings where, you know, the bulk of the grade level teams really do well or, or the content area teams do well. There can be times when a team or a curriculum, you know, department might struggle and um, you have to sort of help 
facilitate as a leader to get them and, you know, to trust each other and to support each other because you could still have a pocket within your building that uh, needs help, right, mm-hmm. in, in building the the connection. So, Yeah. I, I wonder um, how much do you think principals are disadvantaged from the get-go? You know, I mean, like um, the system, right, is such that teachers – don't have a lot of trust of authority, I think, yeah. from my perception. Yeah. They don't have a trust, a lot of trust of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, well, bureaucracy. I'm, yeah. yeah. Yeah, right? And um, and so the principal is the closest representation of that in the school. Sure. Um, now, I'm, you know, Brenda was able to overcome that. Mm-hmm. Um, she obviously has really good skills. Uh, but I just wonder, you know, I mean, right now, everything that's going on, we have, you know, teachers unions across the country that yeah. are saying, you know, yeah. we don't want to return to work because we don't feel like it's safe for our teachers. Right. Right. And there's just, a, I think, a general distrust of teachers and a general distrust of teachers toward the, the general, powers that be. The general trust, mistrust of teachers by leadership, you mean? I think just community. Okay. Community-wide okay. legislators. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I think, yeah, I think that that's true. And I think there's been a lot in the media about how teachers, you know, haven't been doing what they've been asked to do. And, um, you know, there's there's feelings of those lazy teachers can just get away and they don't even have to work in the summer and, you know, just there, there has been a lot of negative news and, uh, that makes the job even harder. And, and at the same time I see across the nation and I'm not disagreeing with this necessarily. I'm just disagreeing with the way that we have sort of unfurled some of these expectations where the, the school has become this place that is meant to save kids from, you know, all of the ills of society, making sure that they have their food, making sure that they have their mental health, making sure that they have, you know, access to good um, health care, making sure that, uh, you know, that they're safe, making sure that they're... So, again, all of that is really, really terribly important because we know kids cannot learn if they are not fed. They cannot learn if they don't feel safe. They cannot learn if they do not have those basic needs met. Just put a a lot of responsibility on teachers. Exactly. That was my point is that while we're putting these expectations on our schools and asking them to be this very strong, like, protective fence around kids, they have schools have not received additional support and funding to try to make sure that that happens. So besides having a curricular list that would require like, you know, two and a half years to teach if you taught everything in the core and you have nine months to do it. So teachers already feel, I think, sometimes really disillusioned that it's too much of an ask. And then you have these other areas on top of that, which Again, teachers really want to. They they mean well, but I think we, as a bureaucracy and as a system within the society, we've lost some of our teachers because they don't feel honored, they don't feel respected, and they don't feel like the work is possible mm-hmm. because of because of the lack of support for all those for all those needs that kids have, right? And then they're held to a standard that they think is unreachable, and and 
Who wants to show up at work and just feel like a failure every day? Right. So what are some little things that you take away from the book that maybe we could... So Brenda obviously was in classrooms every single day. We've heard that from multiple of our guests, just how important that is to be in classrooms, seeing what's going on, getting a vibe for what's happening in the school and how best to support it. Um, And, you know, just that transparency. Yeah. I mean, she was very transparent with that teacher about, well, you know, as a result of me coming into the classrooms, I've been able to generate this awesome list of things that right. need to be addressed. Right. And, right. you know, that's the only way that I can adequately know and follow up on those things is to mm-hmm. be present everywhere that I can be present. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so those are a couple of things. What else well, do I, you I kind was, of take away? I was thinking about, uh, about that um, patience that, uh, has to take place. So Brenda knew from the get-go, these are things that are are worrisome to me, right? But instead of like tackling them immediately, she definitely took her time to try to build the relationship, get to know uh, staff, talk to them, um, meet with them, uh, find out more about their families, find out more about what their needs are, find out more about um, areas that teachers were seeking help or maybe uh, felt really strong or had some real strengths in. And, and you know, when you when you look at the way she rolled out those change efforts, they, they took time. Um, and she did not really begin the work until she had developed those relationships. So a little thing to me, is really get to know your teachers, find out who they are, find out about their lives and, and do it in an authentic way where you're really listening and then try to respond as best you can. Like in the progress principle we talked about, try to respond by taking away obstacles to the work that they're trying to do. And that's what she was doing just by fixing the clocks and other kinds of things as well. Quick wins, um, maybe didn't make a huge difference when we're looking at the curriculum and the instruction, but uh, was a way for her to kind of win the trust of teachers over time. That would be, that would be one thing. Um, What came to mind too, when you were talking was, I remember when I first became uh, a principal and this is, you know, this is like 20 years ago. Uh, the, the person I was replacing said to me, remember how important, and it's been important for me here at this school, you have to feed the teachers or they're going to eat the students. Have you ever heard that before? <laughs> I have, yeah. Yeah. And I remember being so puzzled by that because it was my first principal job. And I was like, what are you talking about? And there was a part of me that also was like, it's their job to take care of the kids. You know, why would I need to feed them? And I didn't really decide one way or the other. I just was really puzzled by the statement and and decided, you know, I'm going to really be paying attention to what it means to feed the teachers. And and I'm so glad I had that advice because it it made it so I was so much more aware from the get-go to find out what teachers need to be successful. And feeding them could be like the candy jar, simple as that, but feeding them could also be they've asked for a set of books and you help them get it. It could be that you listen to them when they talk with you about how frustrated they are with this you know, student 
uh, and you give them some support and in, in strategies. And I don't know. Tell me, tell me more what you think. Uh, besides that relationship building early on. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, I don't. Have you read the book Quiet? I hate to take us down a different path, but no. Okay. Well, uh, we'll it, have to do that as a new book study. Right. Right. Well, it's not education specific, but it's about introverts and extroverts. Oh, okay. And so I wonder a little bit. I mean, this has always been a challenge for me, just in terms of like, oh, all of the. Um, extroverted tasks that come along with being a principal, right? Yeah, and you're, yeah. I think, much more of an extrovert than I am. Uh, well, maybe, maybe at work I am, but <laughs> in real life, I am so happy to sit and read a book in my house. Yeah, yeah. So I just wonder about that. Like, does administration, educational administration, have room for introverts? Yeah. Because I think what you described there is hard for some people. And at the same time... You know, there are a lot of smart people out there who yeah. might be good leaders, but might struggle with that or might be, might be, be able to bring a lot to our field and who might struggle but look with at, that. But look at the example we have of Gloria in the book. Yes. Gloria's an extrovert. Yeah. Too I much. I agree with that. Yeah. And I actually think that Fred, to some extent, was an extrovert because he was very much about being social and yeah. connecting and not having conflict. Right. So I don't know that... Being an introvert or an extrovert is as much of a nugget uh -huh. that we can focus on as it's sort of our need to try to maybe challenge ourselves to make those connections. Yeah. I, I agree with you on that. Yes. And I sometimes have to like get way out of my comfort zone yes. to approach someone to find out more about them and, you know, and sometimes people kind of brush me off too because they're introverted and they don't want to have a connection sure. with me and and as much so and maybe know. that's why some teachers went into teaching because it was like <laughs> I can be by myself with a group of kids right and I don't have to interact with adults yeah. so yeah. um yeah I I get that yeah I do think that there's a balance um when I think about that waiting that Brenda did and that sort of you know building connections etc I did move into a building at one point and I I consciously took more time than maybe I might have otherwise to ask, what's been done before? What have you done before? Tell me what you think would be good. So I, I try to use that as a way for me to make connections with staff to find out more from them. And in the end, I found out that they they were mad about it. They, they wanted me to just come in and tell them, right? Mm -hmm. So we... We, we didn't quite hit it off that school because they expected me to come in with a long list of things to do. That's what they had before and they want. And I was really wanting to kind of break that open a little bit, get more feedback from all kinds of voices because I felt also at the school that there were some groups of kids maybe that were being underrepresented like in our AP classes and things like that. Uh, but it didn't go over well because later someone came up to me and said, why Why do you keep asking so many questions? And I said, well, because I'm trying to find out. And they're like, well, it might come across as, you know, that you just don't know what you're doing, basically. <laughs> so there, there we are. We've, we've left trust totally elusive because what you described there, I think, is what, what – uh, Megan describes it in the book as yeah. a way to build trust. I mean, it's more yeah. Brenda-like than it is well, Gloria or Fred-like, right. but that didn't work. Well, right? it didn't, and that, but I'm going to own it because <sighs> there were times when I should have just said, "Here, here's a solution, uh -huh. right? And I probably leaned too far 
because they came to me to say, what should we do, right? Uh And instead of coming with a ready-made answer, I put it back to them to ask for some feedback on what their thoughts were or what's been done in the past and to use that as kind of a gauge because I didn't want to come and have sweeping reforms, but I could have maybe have been more prepared to say, this is what I think is the right thing to do. Um, I don't know. I mean, we can always go back and second guess our work and, and come up with, right, alternate realities on a, what if I would have done this, you know, kind of like yeah. choose your own adventure. But right. um, I, I, I really appreciated the book uh, because it helped me look back on decisions I've made that maybe helped uh, me develop relationships, maybe helped me build trust. And also times when hmm, I could see why that teacher, especially when you look at the experience of leadership they had had before I arrived, because right. that is also a factor that they're coming to the place where I meet them with some of their own experiences and preconceived notions about leadership. So, yeah. Anyways, we, tr- we try to wrap this up, you know, in about 30 minutes and we're there. So final thoughts on Trust Matters. I'm so excited we're going to be able to talk with her later. But, yes. Um, well, I think what you've said about pacing, well, what Megan has said about pace and about just, you know, finding the right time. Mm-hmm. And I mean, there's nothing prescriptive about that. You just have to sort of... Mm-hmm. It's about getting the full context yeah. and really continuing to evaluate that context and yeah. using the candy jar if you need right, to right. to really decide when is the right time for me to yeah. find an, an in and to get something that I feel is important accomplished. Yeah. And, and I think for myself too, um, my advice to my future self is uh, take time to continue to ask many different people from many different backgrounds, many different types of people, uh, and don't just rely on, you know, one or two people to be your source of information, um, because it gives you the different perspectives and the different realities, and they may still not choose to tell you right from the get-go, but uh, making sure that you are sampling information from a wide variety of people in the building helps you maybe find that, um, sense of culture across the way. Right, if you're only getting the information from the people who come to you, then you're probably only getting a slice of the yeah. For picture. So. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. Okay. All right. Thanks, Jim. Talk All right. to you later. Yeah, sure. Bye.